Hello there, Michael. We hope you're enjoying your Saturday in San Francisco. With the weather showing highs of 62 degrees and lows of 52, it sounds like a day with just the right amount of broken clouds to appreciate. Perfect for catching up on the latest news wherever your day might take you. First up, Google's AI model, Gemini, is under fire for producing images that miss the mark on historical context and diversity. Instead of accurately representing historical figures, it depicted them as a multicultural group due to biases in its training data. I'm Steve Onsker, and alongside me is Jonathan Martin. Welcome to Michael's News from PocketPod News. Then, we dive into the U.S. Department of Justice's ongoing case against Google. The lawsuit reveals how Google has tried to maintain its dominance in the search market, despite competitors like DuckDuckGo and Neva striving for innovation. And finally, Techstars faces backlash for shutting down some city-based programs. This move away from local fundraising has sparked concerns among former members about its impact on local startup ecosystems. These stories highlight the intricate balance between innovation and responsibility in today's tech landscape. Stay with us. We've got all the details you need to start your day informed. This message is brought to you by PocketPod. Say goodbye to one-size-fits-all podcasts and hello to a fully personalized listening experience with AI-crafted podcast made just for you. Head over to PocketPod.app to join the waitlist. Google's attempt to promote diversity through its AI has hit a snag. That's right. Their Gemini conversational AI platform, along with the Imogen 2 model, stirred up controversy by producing images that inaccurately represented historical figures like the founding fathers of the United States as a multicultural group. This incident has opened up a wider debate on the challenges of integrating diversity and historical accuracy in AI-generated content. PocketPod news technology analyst Paige Owens joins us to discuss the fallout from this blunder and what it means for the future of AI development. Absolutely, Jonathan. This situation with Google's Gemini conversational AI platform and the Imagen 2 model has indeed stirred a significant conversation regarding the balance between diversity and historical accuracy in AI-generated content. To begin with, Google found itself at the center of controversy after its AI attempted to promote diversity by generating images that portrayed the founding fathers of the United States as a multicultural group. This move, while well-intentioned in its effort to address systemic biases within AI models, resulted in historically inaccurate representations that ignited widespread debate. That sounds like quite the oversight on Google's part. Can you delve into how the public reacted to this incident? The reaction was swift and divided, Jonathan. On one hand, critics accused Google of pushing a woke agenda, claiming that such moves contribute to technological overreach and distort historical facts. On the other hand, there were voices concerned about the broader implications of AI's role in shaping our understanding of history and culture. This backlash is reflective of ongoing societal debates around diversity, equity, inclusion, DEI, and technology companies' influence on public discourse. Interesting points there. What was Google's response to all this criticism? In response, Google issued what could be described as an apology-adjacent statement. They acknowledged that their attempt at injecting diversity led to these inaccuracies due to systemic biases present in their training data and a failure to properly account for historical context when generating images. Essentially, they pointed out the technical challenges they face in developing AI models that are both diverse and contextually accurate. It seems like systemic bias and training data played a significant role here. 
Could you explain more about that? Certainly. The controversy sheds light on a wider issue within AI development. Systemic biases are often embedded within training data itself. These biases can cause AI models like Imagen2 to default towards depicting white individuals more frequently due to their overrepresentation in source material used for training these systems. It raises important questions on how developers can ensure their models reflect global diversity accurately without introducing historical inaccuracies. And what about implicit instructions or system prompts? How do they fit into this picture? To counteract these inherent biases, companies like Google incorporate implicit instructions or system prompts designed to encourage diversity or prevent inappropriate content generation within their models. However, as we've seen with this blunder, such measures can backfire without careful calibration for specific contexts, leading to unexpected outcomes like rewriting historical figures as multicultural ensembles. With all these complexities, who should bear responsibility for these kinds of mistakes? While it might be easy to blame the machine or even label it as an inadvertent error due to overly cautious algorithms, ultimately the responsibility rests with the developers who create and refine these systems. This situation underscores the need for greater transparency and accountability in AI development processes, ensuring that efforts toward inclusivity do not compromise factual accuracy. Paige Owens from PocketPod News Technology Analysis Team, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Jonathan. It's no secret Google holds a titanic presence in the search engine market, but recent insights from the U.S. Department of Justice's case against the tech giant have shed light on just how deep that dominance runs. Absolutely, and it's not just about Google's own strategies to stay on top. We're seeing fascinating details about competitors like DuckDuckGo and Neva, their struggles, innovations, and even why some had to pivot or exit the market. And who could forget the intriguing tactics employed by Google to maintain its market leadership? They've made significant payments to Apple and navigated through a landscape where younger users are turning to platforms like TikTok for searches. To dive deeper into this story, we've got PocketPod News Business and finance correspondent Scott Dwyer joining us. Scott has been closely following this case and will break down what these revelations mean for Google, its competitors, and the future of online search. Scott? Thanks, Steve. Uh, this case against Google is a real treasure trove for understanding not just the dynamics of the search market, but also how startups like DuckDuckGo and Neva are navigating these waters. Let's start with DuckDuckGo. They've been profitable since 2014, largely thanks to search advertising, yet Google's court filings have thrown some shade their way, accusing them of not investing enough in innovation. Despite this criticism, DuckDuckGo has built a substantial user base, hitting 100 million people globally by 2021. That's quite impressive for DuckDuckGo. Uh, but what about Neva? They took a different path with their subscription model, right? Absolutely, Steve. Founded by ex-Googlers in 2019, Neva aimed to disrupt the market with an ad-free search experience. They introduced some cutting-edge features like generative AI, which garnered attention. However, competing against free services proved too challenging, and they pivoted to focus on enterprise solutions before Snowflake acquired them in May 2023 for approximately $184.4 million in cash. Transitioning from consumer to enterprise is no small feat. Speaking of transitions, Yahoo's journey in the search space has seen its own kind of pivot after partnering with Microsoft back in 2009. 
Exactly. And that partnership was significant because it allowed Yahoo to step back from actively crawling the web and developing its own search technology. It illustrates how strategic alliances sometimes serve as lifelines for companies struggling to keep up with Google's pace. And speaking of Google's pace, they've been employing various strategies to maintain their dominance in this space. Can you tell us more about that? For sure. One of Google's most notable moves is its payment to Apple, $18 billion, to remain the default search engine on iPhones. This kind of financial muscle plays a crucial role in keeping Google at the top of the food chain despite innovative approaches from competitors like DuckDuckGo and Neva. With Google maintaining such a strong position, where does this leave the overall competition landscape? The landscape is evolving rapidly. Traditional web searching faces competition from specialized apps like Yelp or Airbnb and even AI platforms such as ChatGPT. Moreover, younger users are turning more towards social media platforms like TikTok for information searches rather than relying solely on web searches indicating a shift towards diversified online information sources beyond just Google or any other traditional search engines. It sounds like while startups might struggle against giants like Google directly within traditional search markets, there could be opportunities elsewhere in this broader ecosystem. Precisely. Innovation doesn't only come from beating giants at their own game, but often from changing the rules entirely finding niche success or exploring uncharted territories where user behaviors are shifting. Fascinating insights as always, Scott. Thank you for breaking down what this case reveals about the state of online search and competition. My pleasure, Steve. Always interesting to delve into how these technological and business dynamics play out. Techstars, the renowned startup accelerator, is facing a pivotal moment in its operational strategy. Right. They've recently announced the closure of some city-based programs and are shifting their fundraising strategy. This has sparked a lot of debates among former members and managing directors. And amid these significant changes, CEO Mel Gavay defends the move towards corporate-sponsored programs as essential for future growth. But what does this mean for local venture ecosystems and Techstars' position in the global accelerator landscape? To dive deeper into this topic, we're joined by PocketPod news business correspondent Leah Haynes. Leah, there's a lot to unpack here from the closure of city-based programs to criticisms and strategic shifts. Where should we start? Absolutely, Steve. Let's start with the closure of some city-based programs, which has been a significant pivot for Techstars. Uh, the organization announced it's shutting down accelerators in cities like Boulder and Seattle. This move follows a pause on its Austin-based program reported in late 2023. Former members argue this shift away from local operations undermines what initially made Techstars a success story, its emphasis on cultivating startup ecosystems in less competitive areas. That's quite a shakeup. What's been the reaction from those who've been part of these local ecosystems? The reaction has been one of concern and criticism, Steve. Many former members and managing directors feel that moving away from local operations to more centralized fundraising and corporate-sponsored programs could diminish the quality of managing directors running these programs. They argue it detracts from the founder-centric values that were at the core of Techstars' city-based approach, potentially impacting local venture ecosystems negatively. Interesting point about the shift in fundraising strategy. Can you elaborate on how Techstars is changing its approach here? 
Certainly, Techstars has transitioned to a centralized fundraising strategy, moving away from raising funds locally for each city-based accelerator program. CEO Mayel Gave mentioned that this model was no longer working as effectively as hoped based on experiments conducted in three markets over the last half year. This shift is seen by critics as reducing local stakeholders' involvement and investment in ensuring startup success within their cities. And what about the move towards corporate-sponsored programs? How is that playing out? Mail Gave defends this shift towards building accelerator programs with corporate sponsors as a critical competitive advantage for tech stars. However, critics argue that this focus might be moving away from supporting founders directly and instead prioritizing corporate dollars over founder-centric values. With all these changes, how is Techstars planning its future investments and fundraising efforts? In terms of fundraising efforts and future investments, Steve, despite raising a $150 million fund in 2021, Techstars has been somewhat silent about progress on a new $150 million vehicle filed with the SEC in 2023. While not commenting directly on fundraising progress, Gavit implied optimism regarding their financial trajectory. A source indicated that some capital had indeed been raised for the 2024 fund, but details remain scarce. Lastly, Leah, amidst all these changes and criticisms, how does Techstars view its position in the competitive landscape of global accelerators? Despite facing competition both domestically and internationally, CEO Mayel Gave remains confident about Techstars' growth prospects. With operational retooling similar to its largest competitor, Y Combinator, Techstars aims to maintain its competitive edge by planning to make around 800 investments globally this year, an increase from approximately 700 pre-seed investments last year. It sounds like there are challenging but interesting times ahead for Techstars as it navigates these strategic shifts. Absolutely, Steve. The decisions made by Techstars today will certainly shape its standing within the global accelerator landscape for years to come. That was PocketPod News business correspondent Leah Haynes. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Steve. And that's Michael's News for Saturday, February 24th, 2024. I'm Jonathan Martin. And I'm Steve Onsker. Thank you for listening, Michael. We hope you have a good day and we will see you tomorrow. This podcast was created by PocketPod entirely with AI. If you'd like to learn more, head over to pocketpod.app.